0: You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it
1: to be. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. George, I'm just going to give you this for one second because I need all the real estate I can get up there. Michael was making fun of me before the service because I like to line things up, but if last time you remember when I preached, papers were flying all over the place, and so uh, I can be a little bit of a whirlwind up here, but that's what we want today, right? We want the Lord to be a whirlwind in our lives today, right? So uh, I just want to, you know, I just want to say thank you, though, from the bottom of my heart. There's so many of you, uh, be it a text in the morning or something, that just encouraged me so much. Uh, especially in this season uh, that my wife and and I are in, this season that we feel the Lord is calling us uh, to new things uh, and and mostly to things that, uh, you know, really exalt the name of Jesus. And so I'm just so grateful. I'm so uh, blessed and honored to be able to share the the word of the Lord here this morning. And um, I'm so grateful and thankful for our pastor, who I also spoke to this morning, Thankful for both him and Jacqueline's trust in me uh, to come up here and to uh, speak to the people this morning. And so uh, I'm going to tell you that as I've been preparing this week, um, I really just couldn't wait to get here, to be honest with you. Uh, There was just something about uh, the, the love that God gave me. For his people this week. And so I want you to hopefully have that imparted to you this morning that um, this is what I think we were sensing today in worship as well, is that the Lord wants us to be complete and whole in him today. And so uh, I really just pray that I can just step aside and that uh, his words would flow and that they would minister to you in a new way this morning. Amen. All right. So how many of you are excited to go to God's word this morning? All right. I heard something, uh, I was actually uh, studying and I read something interesting from John Piper. He said that um, worship, or rather preaching, isn't the thing that we do after worship. Preaching is worship. He called it expository exaltation. And so that's what we want to do today, right? We want to exalt the name of Jesus through the reading and the preaching of his word. Can we we give it up to Jesus, by the way? Can we just give it up for the Lord? We had an amazing time of worship, and I really uh, sensed that the Lord was confirming everything that he imparted to me this week, everything that he's been imparting to me the last few weeks, in fact, Um, and um, it's just your confirmation today of what the Lord uh, wants to share with us today. And again, the most important thing that I want you to leave here today with is Jesus. If I preach anything aside from Jesus, I don't belong up here. All I want you to leave here today with is Jesus. Jesus, 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 because apart from him, I am nothing. Apart from him, you are nothing we are nothing. And so today we want to exalt the name of Jesus. And so I want to do something a little bit differently. I I always like to uh, speak in a way that um, I'm in a living room environment and that I can share with you uh, just a couple of things that are that's going on in my life. Um, So if you don't mind, I'm just going to open that way instead of going directly into God's word. I just want to share with you a couple of things that uh, a couple of things that's been going on since the last time I spoke here. Many of you know that I work in a nursing home down in New York City. I've been working there for uh, about 20 years now. If you know my testimony, then you know that it's but for the grace of God that uh, I've been blessed there, that I've been able to be there with the longevity that I've had there. Um, And I've been able to work there all the way from the bottom. I started there in housekeeping, worked my way up to finance, Uh, eventually became a a finance manager. And then eventually uh, in this latest role, uh, worked my way into an information technology role. And, uh, but again, all, you know, all because of the Lord, there was nothing that I could ever take uh, credit for when it came to the blessings of the Lord and how he's moved um, in that place uh, and in my life. And so um, last year, well, first, let me begin this way. So as many of you know, uh, we went through a pandemic. And uh, the pandemic shifted a lot of things in technology. So it, it was literally uh, maybe a few months into my tenure as a project manager that we, uh, we, we, we began to go through uh, COVID-19. And in doing so, we had to transition close to 2,000 employees uh, to a remote environment. And in doing so, uh, it made our jobs very busy. Very, very busy. Uh, couple that with the fact that last year, um, but one good thing actually that did come out of COVID is that I was able to work remotely. And, uh, and the reason why I say one good thing that came out of it is for many, many years, I was traveling down to the Bronx uh, and Manhattan. We have facilities in Bronx, Manhattan and Westchester. I was traveling down and I didn't realize just how much I was missing my family, my children. Uh, there was times I would leave at six in the morning, get home at nine o'clock at night. My children were already sleeping. And it was it was a rough, it was a rough lifestyle. But um, how many of you know, we do what we need to do to, to put food on the table. We do what we need to do uh, to maintain a roof over our heads. But the Lord gave us this, this time. And uh, I don't want to make light of COVID-19, but for me, it was a time where I was able to uh, yes, work and work hard, but I was able to rest in a way that I had not rested in in many years and uh, and it gave me time to do things like focus on ministry and and, uh, and be able to to pray and to to love my wife, hopefully in ways that uh, maybe i wasn 't doing so well when I was out of the home as much as I was and That was a blessing it really was a blessing and then um, and it 's still a blessing because I actually still work in a hybrid model at work, but last year. Uh, very early last year, uh, the leadership um, in my organization uh, came to me and said that uh, we are going to be transitioning to a new electronic medical record system. If you know anything about an EMR replacement, it is the heartbeat of any healthcare facility. Uh, literally, it's where the both the um, financial and and, and, uh, and clinical uh, sort of um, operations are sort of uh, handled in any system. And so uh, we're about a thousand bed facilities, so you can imagine transitioning about a thousand beds, plus also transitioning the history of over a thousand beds. And so it was a daunting task. Um, I had worked in several capacities in the past um, in prior implementations and other EMR implementations, but never to the point where I was tasked um, with the success of a project in, in particular. And uh, but here's the thing. I always go into everything trusting the Lord. The good thing about when you when you don't have any ears about you, when you don't when you realize that if, if, if without the Lord, it, you'd be nowhere is that you kind of go into these things and you don't need to put the pressure on yourself. You can just go into it and say, Lord, well, you brought me here, so you're going to lead and you're going to do what you do best. And so um, needless to say, it was a, a, a really, really busy time. And how many of you know when you're in these busy times, you really have to take care sometimes to make sure that that busyness doesn't surpass your time with the Lord. It doesn't surpass your time with your family. It doesn't begin to sort of encapsulate your entire life and consume you in a way where you begin to worship your work and worship the things that uh, uh, maybe are going on in your life. And so it was a it was a very uh, it was certainly a very uh, challenging time and then uh, couple that with the fact that last year, for whatever reason, I began to go through all kinds of like ailments and illnesses. I don't consider myself to necessarily be the most... Um healthy person in the world. But I, my wife will tell you, I'm rarely ever in the hospital, if ever. And uh, I found myself, uh, even early this year, in the hospital. I found myself sick time and time again. And so it, it began to weigh on me in a way where I was starting to think maybe this work is really starting to, you know, have an impact on my body. And um, and I really had to just, you know, I really had to just bear down. Um, but when we're in those seasons, the thing we, we seek most is rest, right? We seek like reprieve. And uh, my wife and I, we were so excited because uh, with April rolling around, we knew that we were going to be celebrating both my wife and my son's birthdays. Elizabeth turned 40 uh, April 2nd. So happy birthday, babe. And uh, my son Stephen turned, um, he turned 12 on April 3rd. And so um, to have that, to have all, of, yes, praise the Lord. So to have all of that sort of coincide, uh, we, we had planned to go away uh, with some family. And we really wanted to just spend this time in a, just a time of, uh, you know, just a time of refreshment. And, uh, you know, we weren't necessarily uh, running away from God or anything like that. We were just really seeking this time. And uh, as you might recall, we're in this uh, sermon series here. Oh, I thought it would be up there. The no drama, trauma, right? What could go wrong when things go well? Or as I like to say, when things finally go well. <laughs> and so here we are, about an hour into our trip, and uh, I'm, I'm so happy I did all of this work to make sure that I don't get any phone calls from work, um, and, uh, and thankfully I don't think we got any phone calls from work. Um, we worked really hard to make sure that things were going as smooth as possible, uh, but about an hour into the trip, I get a text message from a very close friend of mine. Um, this friend is, wasn't just a friend. He was a, actually a childhood best friend of mine, uh, like a brother from another mother kind of scenario, and um, you know, we, we weren't as close as we were as kids because our lifestyles were just very different, uh, but we still kept in touch. Um, often and uh, but not enough, uh, and so when I saw the text message i wasn 't surprised. Uh, I thought that maybe he was texting me because um, it was elizabeth 's birthday, maybe he saw it on social media, and uh, he was just reaching out uh, to say hello and so i didn 't think anything of it. Um, we were driving, and I wanted to be of course responsible with my family in the car, and so i didn 't check the text message right away um, but Right around, I would say, Delaware, you know, you hit these pockets of traffic when you're heading down uh, towards uh, Florida, but we were going to Virginia, um, you usually hit these pockets of traffic. And as we hit one pocket of, tra- uh, pocket of traffic in particular, I, um, I checked my message. I just, uh, curiosity, I just wanted to see exactly uh, what he wanted to say. And as I was just scanning the message really quickly, I realized that it wasn't him texting me at all. It was actually somebody um, texting me and um, telling me uh, that he had uh, passed away. So I have all of these emotions running through me at that moment. I was kind of in shock. Um, It was April 2nd, so I was thinking to myself, maybe this is like a prank or something, Um, you know. the whole April Fool's thing was something we grew up with. So I thought maybe, you know, this was an April Fool's joke, something of the sort. And as I was reading down more, I see that there's a GoFundMe for him. And, uh, and now I'm starting to think to myself, well, if this is, you know, if this is a prank, then this is a really elaborate prank, right? Um, but as I read a little bit more, I could see that, you know, in fact, uh, he, had, he had passed away. And so now you can imagine that we're on this drive, uh, we're finally uh, at the moment of this rest that we were seeking, uh, we, we're, we're coming down, we're, we're in a celebratory mode, both my wife and my son's birthdays, and here comes this news uh, that really comes to like shake you, right? Right? And so we're coming down, I have all of these mixed emotions, uh, I just have guilt uh, because I felt like, man, was I a good enough friend to him? You know, did I really, you know, did I tell him about the Lord enough um, that, that, that I knew of, did, did he give his heart to the Lord? And, and I couldn't really answer any of those questions, I didn't have the answers. And so as I was uh, in the car, it was just kind of somber for a little while. But how many of you know the Lord gives us joy, Right? Even in the midst of our trials, the Lord can give us joy that surpasses understanding. And so I, I just asked the Lord to, to help us as we were going down there and we, we got down there and um, we were able to spend some really good time together. Uh, I had learned while I was there that uh, we were going to, I was going to be able to say uh, my farewells to him uh, because his, his, uh, his, his funeral wasn't actually going to be until the 13th. And so that um encouraged me a little bit because um I really wanted to say goodbye. I didn't really want to um leave it that way. I know that his spirit was had already departed, but I just felt like it was a, a sense of closure for me. And so um and so I took some solace in that. And so we got down to to Virginia and uh you know, family stuff we we, we were having some fun and and uh it was always a, there's always some drama, and uh, <laughs> we ended up in a different place um, from where we were originally supposed to stay. But it was all good because we were together, and uh, and and the Lord, we just made it work. And so uh, I was really happy for that. And uh, then I get a, a a text or an email from Pastor, and he's like, "Yeah, that thing on the thirtieth. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna need you to do this thing and that thing," and uh, and so that came to kind of shake me up a little bit as well because. Uh, pastor said, you know, we're going to be in this, this series, the No Drama Trauma, and um, I want you to really preach to, to this message. And so um, I had already kind of thought that maybe the Lord had given me something, and so now I have to kind of uh, be put in a little bit of discomfort, but, um, but praise the Lord. I just, you know, I thank God for Pastor and, and allowing the Lord to speak to him uh, because it really helped me actually through some uh, moments. Um, So, (coughs) sorry, long story short, um, we are now set to start going home, and um, of course there's heaviness now, I'm also anticipating the busyness of work when I get back, um, I just so happened to scan my email, I think uh, by... I would say by Friday, I probably had well over like 300, 400 unread emails. So I'm like, oh, I got to scan these. I don't want to do this now while I'm on vacation. I knew it was going to be a lot of work when I got back and a lot of things that I would need to catch up on. Um, but I had a little scheme. Uh, so <laughs> me and my boys, we've been working on my wife for quite some time uh, to, to get a dog in the house. And uh, it was always one of my dreams to, to have a home, a family, children, and a pup. I wanted a puppy. And, uh, and so every time I presented it to my wife, she was absolutely not. <laughs> and so um, I was able to finally convince her because my son, uh, who, who's, you know, not because he's my son, but He's just a good kid, you know what I mean? He's a he's a responsible kid. Uh, he just just a good kid, and he, you know, he said to me, "Dad, I would really like a dog." And I said, "Yes, this is gonna work." So I go to mom, and I said, "You know, Stephen really wants a dog," <laughs> and uh, and the only thing she asks is that we wait. I actually brought this to her uh, quite a few months ago, and she said, "Well, you know, let's wait." Um, we, you know, we got some stuff coming up. We actually knew that this trip would be coming up. She said, you know, let's just wait and, um, let's see if, you know, let's see what happens when we get there. So uh, I didn't say much. We, We were of course on the trip and here comes the scheme. So it was my son's birthday and I came up with this, this plan. You see, because where I wanted to pick the dog up from was about three and a half hours it's about four hours from here it's an Amish country and so I figured it's about eight hours of driving well since we're already down in Virginia (laughs) why not pick the dog up on our way up right so 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 I said to myself okay so um so so let me see how I can pitch this to her so yeah and so she's like she's like okay um yeah, I don't know about this. And she's trying to come up with every excuse in the world as to, you know, why we can't pick up the dog. And uh, and I said, look, you know, I think it's really now or never. And uh, and so I go to the, the local, uh, I think it was a PetSmart or something, and uh, I buy too much stuff for the dog. Uh, we had like a crate in there that he, you know, absolutely hates, uh, and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, we literally came back like a, like a can of sardines uh the crate didn't fit in the trunk uh or in the the back area so the kids had to sit with it in the back they were sitting practically on each other's laps and um and so we we go and we pick up this little dog uh charlie that we named him actually i have a picture of charlie we can put charlie up here it's our buddy charlie (laughs) So we get Charlie home, and uh, I quickly start to realize that uh, it, it's going to be something different. <laughs> My wife actually reminded me that, oh, you thought you were going to get a full-grown dog. You thought you were going to get a dog that was just going to sit at your feet, know how to use the bathroom, do all of this stuff, and uh, I didn't realize it was a process, and so uh yeah, my son, who said he would walk the dog every day at 6 a.m., he don't walk the dog. <laughs> he's not walking the dog. And so the very first night we actually get home, Charlie's in his crate, and uh, he uh, he's howling. Now, he came from the Amish, so I don't know what kind of weird stuff was going on down there, but he uh, he he starts howling inside of his crate, and I'm like, I don't know what to do, Elizabeth's playing peekaboo with him, and uh, she's like, okay, you stay, and he's quiet, and then she comes in, and I'm like, this is not going to work, so I hadn't actually slept in like days before that, so I was like all exhausted, the next day's Easter, um, and we were excited about getting here for that, and so I come in, and I lay on the floor next to him, and finally he goes to sleep, so the very first night, I actually had to sleep on the floor with the dog. And yeah, and that happened for about two weeks. But I uh, I got I got hooked to an air mattress at least, and so I kind of made that work a little bit easier. But there was a time there with Charlie that um, I really got like sort of overwhelmed um, because Charlie, it, when something comes and it starts shaking our routine it really begins to like sort of impact us. And I I realize this isn't anything major, but um, I had to now get up five, six o'clock in the morning to walk the dog. I now had to watch the dog every waking second to make sure that he wasn't going to relieve himself in the house. And then me and the dog would be sleeping outside the house. And so I, you know, I, I, I started to imagine like some of the sermons that Pastor Mark used to preach about his dog. And if you remember what Pastor Mark used to say about his dog, he thought the dog was demon possessed. Um, well, I'm happy to say that Charlie's not demon possessed. Uh, in fact, uh, one of his favorite gospel groups is the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. We listen to that together, and it really calms Charlie down. And so, Charlie is, I believe, a believer. And so I am happy for that, uh, but he has really shown me uh, not only the joy uh, and the beauty of the creation of God, but he's helped me to sort of excel in things like patience uh, and, uh, and really just uh, has helped me in, in, in areas like um, forgiveness, really, because <laughs> he does some stuff that you're like, Charlie, and then you look at that face and you're like, I love you, Charlie. And, uh, and I really feel that the Lord is like that with us sometimes, amen? <laughs> but um, after the whole thing with Charlie, there was uh, some family conflict that took place. How many of you love those things? Um, <laughs> we don't pick our family, right? <laughs> Family's Family. And so um, I love my family, but, you know, there's times where, you know, things are going to happen and there's going to be some drama. And uh, and so you coupled all of the stress of everything that was coming, uh, going down. So now I have this whirlwind of a puppy in the house. Um, I have some drama now in the family Some things being said that shouldn't have been said. uh, Some some hurt now that needs to be uh, dealt with. And um, and now I'm just like I'm I'm just overwhelmed at this point. And I get to a point where I'm like Liz, you know, I'm I'm thinking if maybe it's probably a good time to rehome Charlie. And uh, thank God for a loving wife because she reminded me that you know what you stepped in this, you need to you need to go forward with this. And so. yeah, no, thank you. And so uh, we, we did not rehome Charlie, obviously. But one of the things that, <laughs> one of the things, and listen, he's, he's been a joy. Uh, yesterday we had some family over. Um, he was a very good boy. And so I'm, I'm just, you know, we're, we're really enjoying him again. Um, but as I mentioned, during the course of that week, I knew that I was actually going to be going down uh, to that funeral. And it would have marked the first time in about 15 years that I was going back to that area. And uh, part of me was sad, obviously, for losing my friend. And then part of me was, um, you know, like, hey, you know, sometimes death has a way of reuniting people in a way. Um, And so I didn't really know what to expect. And uh, the day came to go down to the funeral. And when I got there... um, I drove into the parking lot. It was a funeral home that I had been to, unfortunately, many times, uh, watching a lot of young people pass away in my life. Uh, It was a place that we were in often, and so it brought back instant memories, Uh, but as soon as I I pulled into the parking lot, uh, I just had, like, this sense of uneasiness. There was a lot of drinking and smoking going on, and um, it, it was just there was a sense of heaviness, and so I kind of walked in, I saw a couple of people I recognized, a lot of people that I didn't recognize, and uh, I began to just kind of like, you know, make my way into, the, uh, into the, the funeral home, and, you know, I said hello to a couple of people. Mostly it was odd, because most people did not recognize me at all, um, and I didn't really reveal myself. It wasn't about me. I didn't really reveal myself to anyone as I was there, um, but it was, uh, it was just a strange uh, feeling that I had, just this overwhelming feeling. And so I came in and, um, you know, I paid my respects. I, I said hello to, uh, I did say hello to his sister. I learned that at 42 years old, he was um, now a grandfather. So I met his grandson, beautiful little baby boy. Um, and uh, I sat there for a little while And I remember sharing with Pastor that uh, it was one of only two times throughout the 20 plus years that I've been walking with the Lord where I had this feeling to run, literally to just run out of that place. And I was conflicted because I really wanted to be there and sort of pay my respects, but there was just this heaviness in me. And uh, I remember some time ago I had said to Pastor, I said, you know, sometimes sometimes I don't remember, I don't know what the Lord has saved me from. What, you, what, what does it mean to be saved anymore? I figure out how we get to a place like that. What does it mean to be saved anymore? The pastor wasn't judgmental in any way. We were actually reading a book together, and that uh, kind of welled up some feelings in me. Of course, I knew the grace of God. I knew the grace of the Lord. I understood what it was to be set apart. But what does it even mean anymore when somebody comes to you and says, I'm saved, I'm saved? And uh, as I went home that night, uh, I was on my air mattress with Charlie, and uh, the Lord reminded me, though, he reminded me that this is what, that's what I saved you from. I would remember telling pastor, I said, look, pastor, this wasn't about a feeling of superiority. This wasn't about f- sitting in that room and saying, oh, I'm better than you. In fact, it was the opposite. I was reminded of what the Lord took me out of. And listen, it wasn't that God didn't want to be in that place. It wasn't that he's not in that place in the sense that God doesn't want to grab a hold of those people. But the Lord was reminding me of exactly what it was that he brought me out of in that place. And so it really reminded me of the goodness of the Lord. So why do I share all of this today? Yes, because I like to bear my heart out with my family. Why do I share all of this? I share this with you obviously today because everything that I said to you, the specifics may be different in your life, but we all have problems, right? We all have things going on in our lives. We all have things that are, that are sort of vying for our attention, that are vying uh, to take away the things that the Lord wants to perhaps do in our lives. And the question isn't necessarily when, these things are going to happen, or rather, if they're going to happen, but when. But I believe that the Lord wants us to remember today that when these things happen, instead of breaking us, with him on our side, we can go through them in a way that builds character and perseverance. Listen to what Jesus says about this. He says, In this world, or in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I think that many times we forget those words of Jesus. In that in this life, we will have many trials. And as a result, we assume that God has failed us or abandoned us. But remember, God is not a man that he should lie. It's like what he says in Deuteronomy. He will never fail nor abandon you. You can take that to the bank. In today's lectionary reading, we learned that Jesus is the good shepherd. If you weren't here earlier, I would encourage you to go back and read that uh, in John 10. But today I want to talk to you about a, a different shepherd, another shepherd, a shepherd that we learn of in the Bible. You might recall from the scriptures that there was a man named Jesse, and he had eight sons. The prophet Samuel was tasked with anointing one of these eight sons to be the eventual successor of King Saul. Samuel, in a a learning moment, approaches this moment and he sees Eliab. And he says, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But it was a teaching moment because the Lord shows him something. He says to him, No, I haven't picked this one. In fact, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so David, I'm sorry, so then six other sons are paraded before Samuel. And then Samuel eventually asks Jesse, are these all your sons? And he says, well, there's one out there still. He's tending to the sheep. And so Samuel says, Well, bring him. And in fact, we won't even do anything until he gets here. And when David comes, young David, handsome David as the Bible describes him, he is anointed by Samuel to be king. Now, David doesn't become king right then and there. There's a process, right? Similar to the process of what my wife reminded me that. Charlie doesn't come fully packaged. There was a process that David would have to go through. But David would find favor with King Saul. David would find so much favor with King Saul that he would eventually become a son-in-law to King Saul. But then things come crashing down. Saul, who's enraged and incensed, with this jealousy and hatred for David, seeks to take David's life. And so David has to go into exile. And so David, who was this lowly shepherd boy, goes on to become into this role of prominence in a kingdom and then now is in exile. Talk about things going well and then things going bad. Moving along in the story, we know that eventually Saul would fall and that David would eventually become king of Israel, marking yet another height for David. But then something happens in David's life. And there were many fond moments in David's life, but then something happens in David's life. David, in a time when kings were fighting battles, decided to stay back. And he stood in a place that he shouldn't have been. He was in a place that he shouldn't have been. And he had a moment. And in a moment of weakness, he commits a sin with Bathsheba. And that sin culminates with her husband Uriah being put to death or being set up to be murdered and killed to cover up David's sin. And we know that the Lord sends the prophet Nathan to him and he reminds David and he tells David. He basically scolds David. And David repents. And the Lord subsequently forgives David. But it didn't come without consequence. Unfortunately, David's kingdom would be in peril after that. There would be... uh, His children would rise up against him. The son that he has with Bathsheba, the very first son, uh, passes away. And so as I was reading this, actually something good that I read that came up is that forgiveness doesn't relinquish us from consequences, but consequences don't mean that we're not forgiven. And so... I say all of this about David today to reiterate the fact that David knew a thing or two about things going well and then things going really, really bad. In the options for today's lectionary readings, there was Psalm 23 written by David. It's a beautiful psalm because it's a reflection between the shepherd and the sheep, and it reminds us of God's protection, provision, and direction for our lives. In fact, I want to read Psalm 23, and uh, hopefully we can read it understanding that David was a man who knew a thing or two about things going well and things going terribly wrong. Sorry, isn't that such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song? It doesn't escape me that by the time that David writes this psalm, he himself is probably a king. But he recognizes the Lord as his shepherd. David, who himself was a shepherd, recognizes the Lord as his shepherd. He's not relying on his kingship. He's not relying on the things that come with that kingship. He still understands that the Lord is his shepherd. I want to, just for context, I want to talk a little bit about the role of a shepherd especially in Old Testament times. Not always, but usually a shepherd was a child. Hence why we see that when Samuel comes, the youngest of the boys was out shepherding the flock. It wasn't like a a job that you kind of scolded to do. It was uh, more so because The labor that would have been done by the older ones was a little harder, and so the shepherd uh, was, the younger kid was usually out there shepherding. But it was a hard job. It certainly was not an easy job. And whatever his age, the shepherd's primary responsibility was to protect his flock and to guide them to good pastures with plenty of food and slow-moving water. If the grass was of poor quality the sheep would be malnourished and if the water moved too quickly the sheep would be afraid and wouldn't drink from it and so guiding the flock of uh, of sheep to a good location was an extremely important task because good pastures kept his flock healthy a shepherd typically carried a few items uh, to aid him in his task of caring for the sheep First, he would have a rod, and the rod was a sturdy stick uh, with a knob on one end. Sometimes uh, it would even have uh, nails in it uh, to make it a more effective weapon. Uh, The shepherd would use the rod to protect the sheep from wild animals and and other threats. The shepherd also carried a long staff. The staff was used as a walking stick uh, for the shepherd, who also used it to maneuver the sheep when needed. For further protection, shepherds often carried a sling comprised of a leather pouch on a string. How many of you remember that, David and Goliath? A skilled shepherd, note the word there, skilled, could fling rocky projectiles over a good distance in order to scare off or wound wild animals. As we mentioned before, lectionary today reminds us that Jesus is the good shepherd. We learn that first he's the good shepherd because he lays his life down for his sheep. And secondly, the sheep know his voice and so they follow him. As we start to unpack Psalm 23, I want us to start reflecting on those last words. Do we know his voice and do we follow him? That's key. In verse 1, we read that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David recognizes the Lord As his shepherd. And as such, David acknowledges that his source of protection, provision, and guidance is the Lord. And as a matter of trust, he shall not want. Think about that for a moment. Is the Lord your source of protection? Is he the source of provision? Is he your your source of guidance this morning? In verse 2, we read that he makes us lie down in green pastures, that he leads us beside still waters. And as we talked earlier, this was very strategic of the shepherd. I don't know if you've ever seen some of the images of these green pastures, but in in the desert, these green pastures weren't like the images that you see painted in in a Christian bookstore. The shepherd had to lead the sheep into green pastures. And sometimes it would be just a, a patch of green and beside those still waters And so this was done strategically on a daily basis as the the shepherd would lead the sheep. And it reminds me of something. It reminds me of something that the Lord teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. He says that daily, that it's daily that we should seek the bread. Daily. The Lord by design doesn't give us a ration of anything in that sense because it's a daily putting to death. It is a daily seeking of the Lord that we have to seek out in our lives. By the time we get to verse 3, he tells us, he restores my soul. The New Living Translation says, he renews my strength. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness. It's amazing to me how we're likened to sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, they're notorious wanderers. It doesn't take much to get a sheep to go astray. And yet we're likened to sheep. But praise the Lord, as we heard earlier. He's the one that leaves the 99 to go after the one. (laughs) Praise the Lord. This wasn't in my notes. um, But as I was thinking about the Lord leading us, I often wonder how many times the things we consume through our ears and through our eyes make it so easy for us to be led astray. You know, one thing that I didn't tell you about when all of that crazy stuff was going on in my life, I really had to take inventory of myself. I really had to stop and say, Lord, I need your help. Things are just getting a little bit out of control now, and I can't, I can't make sense of most of this stuff. And usually when that happens, the first thing I need to do is I usually need to, what I call, detoxify myself. Those shows I like to watch sometimes, those things I like to see sometimes, I need to put that away. And as I mentioned earlier, Charlie came to know the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir because it's... It's my go-to music when things are just going tough. There's just a special anointing on their music to the point where it really brings me to a place where I feel so close to the Lord. And so I want to encourage you with that today. If, If you have things in your life right now, if things just seem to be going crazy, it might be time to detoxify yourself. It might be time to take inventory of the things that you're allowing in your ears, the things that you're allowing allowing into your eye gate. Because I can tell you right now that when the Lord comes into our life, there has to be a difference. There has to be a change. People should be noticing something different about you. You see, there were many people that had encounters with Jesus, but they didn't really know Jesus. But those that know Jesus, oh, you'll know it because your life will never be the same. Your life will never be the same. (laughs) Paul says in Thessalonians that God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification or holiness that God's intention is to sanctify us entirely. We are a royal priesthood. But we're also called to be holy. And So I want to remind you of that today, that the Lord has called us to holiness as well. In verse 4, and this is often one of the most quoted parts of this psalm, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice here how it doesn't say, thank you Lord for not letting me walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say that there. Jesus did say we would have many trials and tribulations in this life. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that the Lord is with you? We talked about the depiction of thy rod and thy staff, which comforts me. It's a beautiful depiction, and we talked about what the rod and the staff does, But as I was reflecting on this particular uh, verse, I was reminded of the word of God. That book that sometimes we put to the side and it begins to collect dust. Oh, that this would be like thy rod and thy staff that comforts me that provides protection for me is the word of God that to you today is it that visible thing that you see and you're reminded of what the Lord has done in your life what he continues to do in your life by the time we uh By the time we get to verse 5, David begins to shift the imagery a little bit. The theme still remains that God is our provider. The theme still remains that God is our protector. But he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He now begins to liken the Lord to a host. If you know anything about Eastern societies, a host not only provided for his guests, but he was in charge of protecting his guests. And so this imagery that David is showing us is key. And it reminds me of actually something. How many of you, you've heard the Bible misinterpreted a few times? walking with the Lord now, again, as I said, for about 20 years. And so I've heard some things and seen some things. And uh, this particular verse was really misapplied early on. There was a time when people would say things like, somebody's messing with you. Ah, the Lord is going to prepare a table. And he's going to crush your enemies right in front of you. And you're going to sit there and you're going to feast over it. I think we got an image of what this might have looked like. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That's not what he meant. Not at all what the Lord meant. We can take that image down. (laughs) In fact... I believe that, yes, the Lord does bless us. Yes, I believe that the Lord does prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. But what if the Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, not so that we can relish it over our enemies like a dinner table or like a a dinner theater, rather, but that we would, or rather that our enemies themselves would see the goodness of the Lord. And that maybe even through the blessings that God bestows on our lives, that our enemies will see the goodness of the Lord and they will turn to the Lord. Puts things in a little bit of a different context, right? Finally, we get to verse 6 here. David, again, is building off of this imagery as God, as host. But David says something here that reminds us that a a guest in the house of the Lord is not like the guest that we invite into our homes. How many of you know that even as good as a guest you are, there's a time when it's time for your guest to go? You ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. But not such with the Lord. David tells us, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy Take residence in the house of the Lord, and they follow us all the days of our life. Do you believe that today? I want to close with a few points here. Do we trust the Lord as the Good Shepherd? Is he our provider? Is he our protector? Is he our guidance? Is he like it says in Proverbs 3, do we trust in the Lord with all our hearts today? Think about that. Remember we talked about encounter and really allowing the Lord into our lives. Does he really reside in your heart? What is the fruit of that residence in your heart? Are we waiting on the Lord? Last week, Pastor talked about the toxic CPR and the need to control everything. We were talking about the disciples in the upper room and the fact that they were fearful. And what does he come and he says, Peace be with you. And then it says that he showed up eight days later. And guess what? The door was closed still. And so the Lord is not only patient, but God's timing is not our timing. Second Peter, we learn that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. like it says in Isaiah, they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So how are we waiting on the Lord? And the last one, and I think probably the most important, are we thankful? How are we thankful? We saw this echo today in the worship. Are we thankful? The Lord really had to convict me throughout all of my pity parties recently. And he had to remind me that I wasn't thankful enough. You see, that spirit that welled up and said to me, well, what did I get saved from anyway? Was a complacency. Many of us sometimes, we don't really recognize, we don't realize sometimes what the Lord has really taken us out of. When Steph said earlier that to breathe, to see, to walk are all blessings, we lose sight of that sometimes. And we instead begin to worship the very circumstances that are around us. But a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of thankfulness, supersedes that. How many of you remember the story of the ten lepers? Luke 10, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he sees ten lepers off in the distance. And the lepers call out to Jesus and they ask to be healed. And Jesus doesn't directly uh, directly heal them, but he gives them instruction and by faith they go and they're healed. But only one returns. And how does Jesus respond to that? He says, weren't there ten of you? But only one of you came back to give thanks. You may think that your thanks and your praise doesn't go anywhere, but let me tell you something. The Lord is sensitive to our thanks. Thanks. And so even in the midst of your struggle, even in the midst of whatever you're going through, give thanks, for he is good. I want to close, but before I do, I want to pray before I ask George to come up and John. John, I have an overwhelming sense that there are some of us here today Maybe we don't know the Lord as our shepherd. And I don't want to make a spectacle of anyone. I don't want to make anyone come up here. Um, I don't want to make anyone recite any special prayer. I just want to offer to you today the one that can give you joy in the midst of the storm. Maybe you're here today and... You walk with the Lord, or you thought you were walking with the Lord, but you don't view Him as your shepherd. He's not your provider, He's not your protector, He's not your guide. Remember, He guides us in paths of righteousness. And you want to just tell the Lord today Father, you are my shepherd. If you fall into any one of those two categories, right where you are, be it the person that wants to invite the Holy Spirit into their lives today, be it the person that wants to rededicate their life to the Lord today. If that's you, just right where you are, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that's going to make you uncomfortable. Right where you are, just say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, come into my life. Holy Spirit, be that shepherd in my life. We trust in you for our provision, Lord. We trust in you for our protection. We trust you, Lord, to guide us in paths of righteousness. Father, I thank you, Lord, for all those, Lord, both in this place, Lord, or even watching online today, Lord Jesus, that recognize their need for you, Lord God, Father, I pray today, Lord Jesus, that as you take up residence in those lives, Lord Jesus, that they would never be the same, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, by faith, Lord God, that they will never be the same, Lord Jesus. And Father, I thank you for all those, Lord God, that are in this place today. That maybe, Lord God, they recognize their need for you even more today, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, we just thank you for the reminder, Lord God, that you are our shepherd, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you're the good shepherd, Lord, the one that lays down his life for the sheep, Lord Jesus. And so we thank you for that today, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that apart from you, we're nothing, Lord God. And Father, we just want to tell you we love you today, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for the victory, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the testimonies, Lord God, going forward. And I just thank you for your presence in this place, Lord Jesus, your sweet, sweet, sweet presence, Lord. We just thank you, Lord.
0: We have a good shepherd that loves us, that's with us at all times. Whether things are going well or things are not, he's there and he helps us. Amen. Amen. This is the the time uh, in the service where we're going to serve the Eucharist. And uh, so grateful for this meal that will nourish us in far greater ways than any other meal could possibly nourish us. And so we're just going to pray a blessing on it. And then I'm going to invite, invite you to come. And Elder Bill will be over on the left and Elder Ron on the right to serve communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the wonder and the amazing life that you've given us because of Christ. We're so thankful for Jesus today, Father. We're so grateful, Lord God, that we can be together as a community in unity here, Lord hearing a message like we was just shared and embracing it. Oh God. And we thank you for the way that our lives already, Lord God, our minds are already going, Lord God. And, and, uh, the change that's happening, even as we speak, we thank you. Oh God, for your faithfulness, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Your body was broken and your shed blood. We're grateful, Lord God, to participate in that. And we just pray, Lord, that, uh, as we nourish, as we eat the Eucharist, Lord God, that you would you would cause us, Lord God, to be uh, just full of you, full of your love, O oh God. Have a compassion towards others. We pray that there would be a marked difference in our lives, Lord God, as we partake together of the Eucharist. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle Podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.